Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You are listening to the Seed to Seed message for December 2020. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you from Glenpool, Oklahoma. Yes, I'm back in the office recording this, sitting in my my desk chair. It is the 21st of December, four days before Christmas, but it is also the winter solstice, which makes me happy. I'm a little bit quirky in that way. Once 21st of December and the winter solstice is here, it's like summer is on its way. (laughs) I am not a lover of cold weather. Standing guard back when I was in the Air Force in South Africa, standing guard in the middle of the night and feeling so dreadfully cold. I just have not enjoyed the cold weather since then. But anyway, summer is on its way in my mind. Call me idiosyncratic, but that's the way I feel. Well, I've got a few things to share with you. First of all, as those of you who have been to our website lately realize, We have a new format to our website, thanks to Matt, Jones House Creative. If any of you need a website, you can look him up. Thanks to Matt, we have a new website, and it's a lot easier to navigate. It's a lot easier to do things. Tracy found a new player, which is far better than the last player that we had, and you can uh, play the seed to seed right off the front page and uh, download it, whatever you want to do. We do apologize for a while there. So many of the links weren't working, especially the donations. That frustrated some people. I got some emails from folks saying they tried to donate, but they could not donate because the links to PayPal were not working. And we apologize for that. Everything is working now. I do want to say that we are no longer going to be making CD sets available since everything is available for download on the internet uh, we have decided not to make CD sets anymore I do want to say a word of thanks to those of you who have partnered with us this year and have supported us so faithfully during this what has been a very difficult year for many of you financially economically God has been so good to us, so faithful, and so I just want to bless those of you who have donated and given into the ministry, and I just want to remind you that as Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 7 when he was talking to the Philippians, who he said were the only church that had entered into a partnership with him in giving and receiving, he said, you are partners with me of my grace. Now, all the translations don't translate the my grace, but it's a possessive pronoun. It's the grace of me. And so I I just want to remind you that those of you who are partnering with us at Liberated Living Ministries, our ministry is to share the gospel of grace that sets captives free from bondage to the law, to condemnation, to uh, the pursuit of self-righteousness and all of the negative aspects that are associated with that, setting God's people free. That's our call from John 11, loose him and let him go. That was our assignment. And you are partakers in that same grace. You have the anointing 
to set others free. And so let me encourage you. It's so encouraging to me to get messages from people around the world who have been listening to the message and messages and have been sharing that. We get so many messages saying, you have no idea of the extent of the impact of your ministry because so many are sharing those. So you are partakers in the grace. Not only that, but as Paul then went on to say in Philippians 4 and verse 17, he said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So any fruit of the seed that we have sown uh, abounds to your account. Some people have thought, why did you call your monthly messages seed to seed. Well, it was our seed that we were sowing into the seed of Abraham, the seed of Christ, believing for increase and multiplication that the word of grace would first of all be effective in the lives of those who would listen and then they would become seed and the message in them would be seed and so there would be multiplication. I see the message of grace in the church like like leaven in a lump. A little bit just starts the process of leavening. And leaven is not a negative thing in the scriptures. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven because that's how it grows. It grows surreptitiously. It grows secretly. It grows in the in the, the lives of people and then spreads abroad. So let me just encourage those of you who have been partners with us. You are partakers in the same blessing, the fruit abounds to your account. And I want to encourage those of you who do listen, if you haven't got into a place of, of supporting the ministry regularly, let me just encourage you to do so by the Spirit's leading, obviously. You ask the Holy Spirit if you're to do so. Now, I do have a family request or need to share with you. Brad's family has had a bout with COVID, starting with Brad and then Braden and Smith. Emma was the only one to escape it, but then it hit Jessica hard. And she is in hospital as I share this introduction on the 20, 21st of December. And we're believing that by the time many of you listen to this, she'll be out. She'll be back home. Anyway, you be in prayer for Brad and Jessica and the children, uh, Bev and I stand ready to go up there at the drop of a hat if we can be of uh, help to them. Of course, it's so difficult. Brad has not permitted entrance to the hospital. And so he's just at home uh, taking care of the children. And that you be praying for the family. And so uh, come to this. Let me wish you a wonderful Christmas for you and your family. May this be a blessed Christmas and a, a prosperous new year. Who knows what 2021 holds for us? It could be uh, more of the same. We're believing, though, for deliverance out of what we've gone through with both the virus and also the upheaval in society. And so the message this month, I believe, is going to be so appropriate. The title for my message is The Prince of Peace. And as you know, that comes from Isaiah chapter 9, where the prophecy is given of the coming of Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, 
and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The message this month is really linking peace and righteousness because it's linked together in these verses, in these promises. I believe that the title for Jesus of Prince of Peace is a direct correlation to his priesthood that is after the order of Melchizedek, who is introduced to us in Genesis 14, and then Paul elaborates, or the writer to the Hebrews elaborates in Hebrews chapter 7, about Melchizedek, and Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And so in verse 2 of Hebrews 7, he says, not only is he the king of righteousness, but he's the king of Salem, which means he's the king of peace. So the scripture links peace and righteousness together in the ministry of the Melchizedek priesthood. And we know that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so as a prince of peace, he has come to bring peace. And that peace comes through his government of righteousness. When the shepherds announced the birth of Jesus, you'll remember they said peace on earth and Our translation of the King James says goodwill toward all men, but it really is peace on earth to those who God favors. And we know this, that the favor of God is available and accessible to every one of us because of the ministry of Jesus in bringing in a new kingdom of righteousness and therefore a kingdom of peace. As he began his ministry here, he said, repent, change your mind because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of a new way of righteousness and a new way of peace. Let me share with you my journey into peace. I felt like it would be helpful if I just um, went through my own journey into the revelation of peace. Starting off in my childhood, I have to tell you that I had no peace. Because of my daddy's hard preaching, because he believed that you could lose your salvation, he obviously preached very hard to backsliders, and as I've shared in my book, I was never sure of my salvation, although I can remember distinctly at four years of age at a youth camp uh, where Reverend Watson Goodman was ministering. I can remember very distinctly that just that one memory of asking Jesus into my heart and the feeling of everything being different, the feeling of peace and joy. But then because of my daddy's preaching, because I was a sinner, I felt like, oh, my word, that it didn't work. And so I would walk the aisle 
Time after time, when my daddy gave an invitation for salvation to get saved again, saved again, saved again, rededicate, whatever, come back to Jesus as a backslider, but never was sure of my salvation and so never had peace. And then together with that was my daddy's eschatology and the fear of being left behind. And uh, the memories that I've shared in my book of coming home and there was would be nobody at home and this tremendous fear would overwhelm me that my family had all been raptured and I had been left behind. And so I have to say that I had no peace. And then in 1968, this is after my first trip to South America in 1967, and still going through tremendous struggles. In 1968, I was up in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. I had gone up there to be in full-time Youth for Christ just for a season to help them out in the Bulawayo Youth for Christ. And on one of those days, and I believe it was pretty close to my birthday, the 1st of May, I went up into the Matopas Mountains. There was a youth camp there that Mr. Connolly had opened up, and he had built this chapel on a granite hill, similar to the granite hills that there are both in the hill country of Texas and also in Australia. And right on top of this granite hill, he had built this chapel built of stone. It was a a wonderful place. And I went up there to spend the day with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me, gave me two words that day, peace and wisdom. Peace and wisdom, and I laid hold of those by faith, that those would be words that would be, I basically asked him, what are your gifts to me as your son for my life? And he gave me those two words, peace and wisdom. In 1969, I went on my second trip with Youth for Christ, the teen team that went to South America. And on my birthday, the 1st of May in Montevideo in Uruguay, it was a sort of a free day. We didn't have any meetings during the day until that evening. And so the rest of the team decided to go and sightsee. But because it was my birthday, I just felt, I know it was a little religious at that time, but I felt like I wanted to just be alone with the Lord. I fasted and prayed on that day. And in those days, every day, I read the daily light. And probably for the first time, it had so so impacted me because the daily light reading for the 1st of May is this, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And then these are the verses that are in the, the daily light on the daily path. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. God hath called us to peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then this wonderful verse. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely 
and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Great peace have they which love thy law. That is the daily reading from the daily light on May the 1st, which is my birthday. And I can remember distinctly that morning laying hold of that following the year before when the Lord gave me that word peace on the Metopus Mountain, I, I know that in my spirit faith rose up to lay hold of that word and that promise. I never understood the relationship as he brings out uh, in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17, the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness or rest and assurance or confidence or security forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. So that was the promise of 1969 in Montevideo in Uruguay. I then went on to Bible Institute in 1970, 1971, and then on to Baptist Theological College, 1972 to 74. We got married in January of 1973 and then entered into pastoral ministry from the end of 1974 to 1979. We were in uh, in Pretoria and then in Zimbabwe, 1979 to 1981. And then that great day when I was so impacted by the message at our Businessmen's Fellowship from Romans 5.17, where the preacher preached about the gift of righteousness. Romans 5.17, how much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Righteousness reigning as a king, peace, all are themes of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. You can't separate those three, righteousness, peace, the kingdom of heaven, Paul says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, is not eating and drinking. It's not about works. It's not about what you do or what you don't do, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me go back to when I was on, a, on the Youth for Christ teen team. When you travel like that, everybody, all the kids wanted autographs from us, and we were encouraged to have a Bible verse with our autographs. And the verse that I chose, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And I've got to tell you this, that even sometimes when I signed that verse under my signature, there would be a pang of doubt and unbelief. Do I really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and deliverance? And there was so much in me that was undermining my confidence in the gospel as the, as the power of God unto salvation. But when I studied Romans in 1982, uh, January 82, in the trailer at Igoda River Mouth, I can remember suddenly being awakened to verse 17 of Romans chapter 1. 
the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For therein, for in the gospel, and this is from the NIV, um, on my way to Nashville a few months ago to go and speak at the ShopFix Academy conference, I had left my Bible at home. And so when I realized I had done that, I went into Hobby Lobby and I bought, uh, just felt led, was led to buy a new NIV. I've read through the New King James Version Bible that I use for preaching so many times that I thought to myself, I'm going to change the version that I read. And I don't like the NIV for some very clear reasons. Uh, some of the most striking thing that I don't like about it is that every time the New Testament translators see the word flesh, they translate it as the old nature and so perpetuate the myth that after we are born again, we still have the two natures within us. And that totally denies the reality of the new creation of both of Second Corinthians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 6. That we are, neither circumcision avails anything, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, nor uncircumcision, but the new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, this measurement, he said, grace be unto them. That's the measurement of the new covenant is believing in the new creation that I am new. All things have become new. The problem is not an old nature. The problem is an unrenewed mind. I need my mind to be renewed to the truth of who I am. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a son adopted into the family. He has declared me to be righteous. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. I no longer have to earn any of the blessings. They are mine by inheritance. That's such an important revelation. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith. And this is what the NRV says, from first to last. From righteousness is by faith from first to last. No longer is righteousness right performing, right acting, and right living. It is believing that through Jesus I have received a gift of righteousness. I have been placed in right standing with the Father, and He no longer sees my sin because my sin has been thoroughly dealt with by Jesus at the cross. My mind must be renewed to that. If you would have asked me prior to 1982 January, if somebody who was totally a neophyte, who had no knowledge of the Bible said, tell me about the righteousness of your God. You know where I would have taken him to? The Ten Commandments and said, he has the righteousness of God. But Paul says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, Paul says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. The righteousness of God is now revealed apart from the law. Apart from the law, I become so concerned and quite honestly, quite 
irritated by the fact that so many preachers go back because you can fill up a whole calendar of preaching on the Ten Commandments. But that's not the revelation of the righteousness of God at all. The righteousness of God is revealed in the amazing gospel of grace that Jesus brought to us. Righteousness is a gift. It's no longer about keeping laws and keeping rules. It's about receiving the gift of righteousness and then the Holy Spirit being at work within us, transforming us into the same image from glory to glory. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Now, in my same study in Romans, in the the trailer, I came upon Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And my word, I knew it was there. I knew it was there all the time. But man, when it, it dawns on your spirit, when the Holy Spirit quickens it and gives it life to you, it, it becomes just such a rhema word to your heart that brings such freedom and such joy. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace comes through knowing that you have been justified by believing in the promise of the gospel and receiving that as a free gift, the free gift of his grace. I've shared with you many times through the years, my own testimony I discovered in Romans chapter 10, where Paul refers to the Jews and he says this, they being ignorant of of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That was me. I was going about to establish my own righteousness. I was so diligent in the disciplines of my Christian life, in in reading the word, in prayer, etc., etc., etc. But there was no peace there until I received the truth that I had received the gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. God no longer saw me in my sin. But he now saw me in Christ. And as I preach in Romans chapter 7, in the message, Grumpy is Dead, that many of you have listened to and been set free by, I died to the law through the body of Christ, that I might be married to another, even to him that was raised from the dead, that I might bring forth fruit unto God. Now the fruit is not the fruit of obedience to the law, but the fruit is the fruit of intimacy with Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead by his resurrection life within me, working in me so mightily and producing the fruit that glorifies God. The gift of righteousness brings the gift of peace, a wonderful peace that the shepherds announced and that is promised in Isaiah chapter 9. He is the prince of peace when he rules. Now, notice in Romans chapter 10, those verses that I read, they being ignorant of the righteousness of God and going about to uh, to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. You see, 
in this kingdom of righteousness, you submit to the authority of the reign of the Prince of Peace. And he reigns in righteousness. A king shall reign in righteousness. Isaiah 32 says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. A king will reign in righteousness. Whew! That's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. That's what the kingdom of Jesus is all about. That's what happens to you when you submit to his righteousness. You reign in life, but you have to submit. You bring yourself under the domination, under the control of his righteousness, which is amazingly, you don't have to perform You just receive the gift of righteousness and you enter into his kingdom and you reign. How much more shall they who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? What a promise from God. The king will reign in righteousness. Now let's go to verse 15. Obviously, in the first application, it applies to Hezekiah. This is a prophecy relating to Hezekiah, that Hezekiah was about to reign, and he was a good king and a godly king, but it stretches far beyond. The language is far too amazing just to apply to Hezekiah and the princes that ruled under him. And verse 15 tells us when this is going to be until the spirit is poured upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is counted as a forest until the spirit is poured on. So we're looking at the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, whereby we enter into the this, this family of God, this kingdom of God through faith in the finished work of Jesus. We receive the gift of righteousness. We receive the abundance of grace and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. That was the promise on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to as many as be afar off and so linked with the kingdom righteousness peace now we add the dimension of the outpoured Holy Spirit upon us and as Paul says in Romans 14 and uh, and verse 17 The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? It was joy, unbridled joy that was so intoxicating that it looked like they were drunk. And it was the fulfillment of of uh, Psalm 45 where Jesus had received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit and he says in Psalm 45 in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore and Jesus receives from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he says he has poured out this which you now see and hear it was the oil of joy that he was anointed with Psalm 45 says above his fellows in your presence is fullness of joy and so the manifestation of righteousness is peace and joy in the holy spirit wow 
That's the new covenant right there, receiving the gift of righteousness, and it all comes by grace. It is through grace, grace, you receive the abundance of grace. And through that grace, you receive the gift of righteousness and you reign in life. You have peace in your heart and you have joy in the Holy Spirit. And you can live above the circumstances, above what is going on in the world because of the gift of righteousness. Now, look at verse 17 of Isaiah 32. He says this, the work of righteousness will be peace (laughs) or the effect of righteousness will be peace. That's it. This is the new kingdom. And the effect of that righteousness is peace. So if you're not walking in peace, question whether you have received the gift of righteousness as a continual gifting to you. It's not enough for you to receive it one time. You understand that? Because the enemy comes with all kinds of condemnation, accusation. He tries to manipulate your emotions and you wake up one morning feeling terrible and he immediately starts suggesting to you that you've done something wrong and that God is displeased with you. He's withdrawn his presence from you and he makes you feel like something has gone wrong. And that's why Paul goes on in Romans 5 and says, we glory in tribulation. How can you glory in tribulation? Because you know that when tribulation comes, because you are in right standing with God, it's not God who's mad at you. It's not God who's punishing you. And so you know that there's a purpose through that tribulation, which he describes as the building up of your character. Romans 5 says not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So when we go through tough times, when we go through seasons like we've been going through in this year, we do not fall apart. Our peace is not disturbed because we are righteous before God. We understand that tribulation hits all of us. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation put it on your calendar but he says be of good cheer I've overcome the world and how did he overcome the world he defeated Satan he conquered Satan he nailed the charge sheet to his cross Colossians 2 verse says and so we need no longer be manipulated by condemnation and guilt and fear the work of righteousness will be peace and then he says the effect of of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Oh, I love this. I love this. Let me talk to you about this word, quietness. It's the word that's translated elsewhere throughout the Old Testament as rest. And it is a rest that God wants to give to his people. In fact, verse 18 says, My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. It has always been the desire of God for his people to enter into rest. On the seventh day, God rested after the the six days of creation. And he named the seventh day the Sabbath. It's a day of rest for the people of God. And 
Paul, the writer of the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works even as God did from his. You cannot work enough to be righteous enough before God. You have to enter into the finished works of God, which were finished before the foundation of the earth. Hebrews 4 says, and what was that finished work? The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. And so the work of uh, redemption was completed even before the world began. His works were finished. It's over. It's finished. It's over. And so we can enter into this rest, this rest. Now, let me share with you some of my pilgrimage in this whole area of rest. Back in 1989, the year that the Lord called me out of ministry for a year, I was reading in Judges, and it struck me so forcibly, starting first of all in Joshua, God's purpose was for he to bring his people into the promised land and for them to enter into an inheritance and then to rest in that inheritance. And we read such a fascinating word, and that was this, that when Caleb settled into his inheritance, it said, then the land had rest. That so struck me so forcibly. Then I was reading on into Judges. So the first judge that God raised up was Othniel. And we read that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel and he went to war and he delivered Israel out of the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And he prevailed against him. And then it says in verse 11 of Judges chapter 3, so the land had rest for 40 years. Then God raises up Ehud and Ehud judges Israel. And so it says in verse 30, so Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years. And then in Judges chapter 5, Deborah's song, verse 2 says, when leaders lead in Israel, when people offer willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. And the Hebrew leaders lead in Israel when locks are unloosed. When leaders unleash the potential, when people leaders lead the people into freedom, he says, praise the Lord. People offer themselves willingly, praise the Lord. At the same time, I was reading in Acts about Paul. Our soul's conversion And you remember that he immediately began to preach. And eventually, everything got so hot around Saul being such an activist in preaching that the leadership of Jerusalem took him and put him up on a ship and sent him off to Tarsus. And then the Bible says, then the churches had rest. And here's what God showed me. When the task of leadership is to bring God's people into a place of rest. When leaders lead, they lead them into a place of rest. When leaders are in their right place, when people find their right place, the effect is rest. And I really believe that there is a tragic lack of leadership in the body of Christ right now, because I'm afraid that so many leaders are in fear. Leaders are too afraid to speak out against the unrighteousness and the the mess that is going on in the land, because they're so afraid of losing their place, just as the Sanhedrin 
they were so afraid. John tells us they said they were scared that the Romans would come and take away our place. It happened under uh, Hitler. The leaders of the Lutheran church were too afraid to speak out against the corruption and the injustice and the the high-handed uh, authoritarian rulership and so on. They simply bowed. They simply bowed to the uh, usurped authority of leadership. Listen, I was raised in a totalitarian system. I know what it's like to be under totalitarianism, and it it has bothered me so much to see this nation, the United States of America, slipping into totalitarianism through this COVID-19, where everybody has got to conform. And the message that is being spread is unity and conformity and so on. That's a load of nonsense. The church should be rising up and saying, you cannot dictate to us. You cannot tell us that we cannot meet together. You cannot tell us that we cannot sing the high praises of our God. You cannot do this to us. But people are just submitting to that. And instead of being strong in the kingdom of God and leading their people into the peace of God that comes from his rule and his reign, the people are left in a mire of and a quandary of uncertainty and confusion about the, the government, about everything that is going on in the society, because God's spokesmen are not bringing out a clear word of the rule and reign of King Jesus through righteousness. It disturbs me that there is such silence in the land on the part of especially of pastors of mega churches who should be addressing the situation. One of the things that happened to us in South Africa, and I came to realize this, we were silent in the face of oppression. And when I started speaking about the oppression of an injustice, I had a visit from the secret police uh, who told me that I stop, was to stop preaching politically. And I said, I'm not preaching politically. I'm preaching the truth of God's word. We need courage in these days. We need the courage to be able to speak about the kingdom of God and his rule and his reign and that we will not submit to any other yoke of bondage. We will only submit to his kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, so much for my little rant. But God's desire is for his people to be in rest, to be in secure dwelling places. And there is so much confusion and insecurity because God's people are not hearing a clear word of where their peace comes from. Their peace doesn't come from what happens in Washington, D.C. Their peace comes from the reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts of individuals through the gift of righteousness, and you can reign in life. My brother and sister, I pray that this Christmas time you will so receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that you enter into reigning over all the circumstances. I want to encourage you, as I've shared a few months ago, don't be listening to the people with unclean lips. Don't be getting your information from the media. 
Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, for I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In other words, Isaiah said, I've been listening to what the people around me are saying, and it's affected the way I speak. And instead of speaking what heaven says, that the whole earth is full of his glory and seeing God high and lifted up and seated upon a throne, we are being distracted by what's going on around and we're getting into the woes of Isaiah chapter five. Then Isaiah says, seize the Lord. And he says, woe is me. I've been listening to the wrong voices. I've been listening to the voices around me instead of hearing what heaven is saying. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, 10 years ago, God quickened these verses to me from the Message Bible. They're phenomenal verses, and I printed them out, and I put them up on my mirror in my bathroom, and I put them in my Bible. This is what um, Eugene Peterson translates, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 as. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Where is grace manifested? In the gift of righteousness that we have received. And it's unforced rhythms. There's no fretting. You know, as I've said to people on the phone, when last I looked into heaven... The sea around the throne was like glass. There wasn't a ripple on the sea around the throne in heaven, as John saw. God is not perturbed about COVID-19, nor about what is going on in the political realm. He is at peace. <laughs> and, oh, I pray for every one of, of you who hear this message, that you will enter into that peace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And God quickened that verse to me, and I began to meditate upon it. And the first thing that I said, prayed was, Lord, I want to recover my life. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And the prayer that I prayed was, Lord, I want you, I want you to reveal to me what you had in your mind when you, and this was the picture that I had, when you dabbed me against the wall of my mother's uterus, and you had a a vision for me. You had a, a a desire for me, and I want to discover that. You know what I discovered? It's entering into a life of rest, entering into a life of rest and peace. That's always been his desire for me, and I'm entering into that. I'm enjoying it. I'm living in it. I'm I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to God for it, for leading me into into that. Now, here's the, the last promise I want to leave with you. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Because he trusts in thee. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Yeah. <sighs>
My prayer for you at this Christmas time is that you will, and it's up to you, Paul says this, you can bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ is perfectly obedient to the Father's will and the Father's kingdom and the Father's way. And you can bring every thought captive to Christ's obedience. In other words, your thoughts can come and submit to God's way, God's kingdom, and his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. A king shall reign in righteousness. Oh, my brother and sister, enter into that and enter into the rest and the perfect peace that is your birthright as a child of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone who hears this message. I pray for this Christmas season and into the new year to be a season of rest and entering into peace for those who are unconvinced of their right standing before God. Holy Spirit, would you just even through this word, give them a revelation of the gift of righteousness. It's a free gift that is received by faith. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. We can't, uh, 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 fast for it. We can't pray enough to get it. All we can do is receive it in simple childlike faith. And so I pray for God's people that they will receive this gift of righteousness day by day and confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And because I am righteous, I have peace with God. And because I have peace with God, I have joy in the Holy Spirit. So this Christmas season, I am going to rejoice. I am going to be merry. Have a merry Christmas, (laughs) y'all. Have a merry Christmas full of the joy of the Holy Spirit. I pray that for each one who is hearing this word in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the conclusion of this message. You've been listening to the ministry of John and Beverly Sheesby. For more information on this and other available teachings, please visit our website at www.liberatedliving.com. God bless you and thank you for listening.